this energy window, the manifestation of truth, we have collectively created over years and decades of really focusing on our most personal, intimate truths, on who we are authentically, on discovering uh, deeper, on a deeper level, what we're here for, what our purpose is, asking those questions. And also outwardly, we have collectively as a large group now, it used to be a small group, now it's a large group. We've looked into the world. We've looked into the mechanisms. We've looked into the system. We've looked into the matrix. And we really said, we want to find out the truth. Right now on Higher Journeys with Alexis Brooks. Well, journeyers, welcome back to Higher Journeys. And of course, if it's your first time here, we welcome you. Well, speaking of first time here, I love it when we get to have brand new guests. And I said, Jean Nolan, that in 2023, it's going to be a whole new, not me, but we, new people, (laughs) new guests, new subjects, and just going a little bit deeper into some of the things that we have um, historically covered on Higher Journey. So today, Jean Nolan has graced our presence from, if you don't know about Inspired, you've been missing something. Inspired, the channel, Inspired, the brand, the Inspired, you really, the name really says it all about what you do over there, Jean Nolan. First of all, welcome. And I'm going to start by just saying thank you for everything you're doing, for your courage. And you, when we talk, when we get into the conversation today, guys, you'll know why I say courage, because John has really gone out on a limb to really talk about the things that are not necessarily, oh, roses and 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 uh, butterflies every day, but he's got plenty of those too. Talking about the tumult that's going on on the planet right now. And I would say, John, you really have the tools uh, within the repository that we call Inspired to navigate the storm that we're in. Uh, there's a lot of good things to talk about. And I know that you've gotten your, a fair amount of criticism for some of the rabbit holes you've gone down. But I say it's nicely counterbalanced with some good stuff. Um, reason to be excited. Um, may you live in exciting times. I think we do. So I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm going to let you talk. Let's talk about energy windows, something that you brought up on your show back in December that really got me going energy windows and how, um, whatever they are, I've never heard the term before, may be collectively uh, happening with us and maybe somehow in the subconscious triggering these energy windows of which we are able to move mountains. Go into that a little bit deeper. What's that all about, energy windows? Absolutely. And, And first, let me say thank you for having me, Alexis. It's an honor and a pleasure and as we said off camera, it's always wonderful to make new connections. Yes. Um, you know, this is what it's all about for us here at Inspired. And uh, yeah, energy windows are m- maybe it's a name for something that actually people know and have felt, but maybe never realized that they exist. So basically, if you look at your individual life, and that's where I want to start, and then we go into the collective energy windows, you have time periods in your life where things seem to come easier, seem to work out faster without um, bumps in the road, and everything seems to just click. I mean, athletes call this to be, you know, being in the zone. And as, as a former athlete, I learned how to put myself in the zone. Yes, that is one aspect of it. But th- this, what I'm talking about are longer periods of time, sometimes weeks and months, 
where um, everything works out in our favor. And if we want to create changes in our lives, if we want to create transformation, if we want to do something new, uh, a new business, new endeavor, start something new, it seems to go easier than in other times. And I call this energy windows. And they, they don't just disappear. I don't think it's something that just randomly happens. I think we build those energy windows with our intentions, with our focus, um, with what we do and practice, right? So if we um, put our intention and attention to something new that we really want to create in our lives, and then, you know, we take action, we meditate on it, we walk with it, we, aff we affirm, we envision, we do all these things. Eventually, what I call an energy window is going to open. And then you have this period of time that you can use to make those changes and things are going to work may way more effectively than they usually would. And if you don't use it, it doesn't mean there's not going to be another energy window. But then after that, after it closes, because, you know, energy is something fluctuating. It doesn't stay the same. It transmutes and transforms constantly. So when that energy window begins to close and shift, then you have to start working on opening a new one or work that much harder at the changes. And the same is true collectively. Uh, I call this period that we live in uh, the truth manifestation or the manifestation of truth, we're experiencing something that we in our lived memory haven't experienced before. And I think this energy window, the manifestation of truth, we have collectively created over years and decades of really focusing on our most personal intimate truths, on who we are authentically, on discovering uh, deeper, on a deeper level, what we're here for, what our purpose is, asking those questions. And also outwardly, we have collectively as a large group now, it used to be a small group, now it's a large group. We've looked into the world. We've looked into the mechanisms. We've looked into the system. We've looked into the matrix. And we really said, we want to find out the truth. And that's the energy window that we have right now. That's why we see revelation after revelation coming out. And it can't be stopped anymore because it is an energetic window. If we don't use this properly, and I think we're doing a pretty good job currently, I think, um, if we don't use it properly, then it's going to eventually shift and close again. We have to work that much harder at it. And you might know this from your own life, or you might know someone where you watch them and you can see they're ripe. The time is ripe. They're, they would be ready. The, the circumstances are there, but they don't have the balls or the guts. Pardon my, my language. It's okay. You're allowed. To, to actually follow through and do it. Right. And then the window closes and then, you know, okay, now it's going to take some time before they have that opportunity again. That's what I call an energy window. Wow. As soon as you described it, I started nodding my head voraciously because we've all had them, right? Just when everything seems to be in the flow, uh, nothing, you know, what's Murphy's law? Uh, if one thing can go wrong. What's Murphy's law? How is it said? If one thing can go wrong, everything goes wrong. Well, it's just, it seems. Whatever like can go wrong will, will go, go wrong. Thank but, you very much. But whatever can go right will right. go right. Exactly. <laughs> it's the same model. And you have to ask the question, John, what is triggering the window? Now, I'm tempted to go down the metaphysical, even quantum physics rabbit hole as I think about this. Are there planetary, <clears throat> excuse me, conditions are there solar geomagnetic conditions that could prompt the frequency of the planet, the magnetosphere of which we're very affected by? We're affected by everything the planet's affected by. 
does that have any um, impact on when these windows or how these windows are opened? Do you think? You know, this is to a large extent speculation, but I think you can certainly um, find the correlations between solar activity and human transformation or big events, even wars. I mean, mm. you know, people people that look into the constellations, that look into solar activity, that look into the cosmos, they find parallels and similarities through time periods and so, you know, I think that's definitely legitimate and definitely the case here. But there's one thing um, where my perspective perhaps differs a little bit. I think we have um, we have the gift of the feather. And that's what the Native Americans call um, the gift of consciousness, the gift of intention and free will. And this is what elevates us from uh, the animal plane. Uh, not that animals don't have consciousness, but not nearly in the way and as developed as we do. And so I do believe we have a very, very special gift. And as such, our lights, the more we shine them, and here it's going to get really woo-woo, but hey, I mean, we're having a metaphysical discussion. When we shine our lights outwardly, uh, the, the, the celestial bodies reflect them back to us. So we are having this feedback loop of energy. The more beautiful, positive, radiant energy we send out, the more we get it back, and it, it elevates the field. So I think this is what we're seeing in many ways. I mean, so many people have taken up meditation in the last years, right? Mm -hmm. they're, they're calming themselves down, but at the same time, they're igniting their inner light, and that's just something that is now feelable and visible. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't express yet as, like you said earlier, as in, in, in rainbows and butterflies yet. It's a shift period. We are literally, you know, we, we've, we've lifted the rug and everything that was swept under the rug, we're now pulling out. And that's part of this transformative journey that we're on. And many people perceive it as negative. I, I celebrate it every day because I was waiting and co-creating this period for a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy to see, see it. I'm not happy to see the suffering, mm -hmm. but I always realized like in my own journey, I always realized everyone had to go through that journey. And now it's happening for a lot of people. I have likened this passage, because that's what I'll call it, of the past three-ish years to the birthing process. Well, in this case, the rebirthing process. <clears throat> Coming through the birth canal is dark. It's painful, arduous. And when you come to the end of it, you have a final scream. And then you see the light. Every uh, every cliche applies. I'm sounding like a broken record, but the darkness is indeed before the dawn. And it seems that as dichotomous, the more dichotomous a situation may become, I have this just intuitive feeling, Jean, that the, the greater the dichotomy, the more we're closer to getting on the other side of it. I mean, we're in an upside down, bizarre world right now. Let's face it. How exciting, <laughs> as you say. How exciting, really. Um, and I just, I don't know whether it's something that you would read in a book or something that you've been taught or something that you just feel instinctively that when something gets so, I mean, it's like weather patterns. <clears throat> Please forgive me, guys. I've been talking a lot, so I'm going to do a lot of clearing my throat. Looking at weather patterns and looking at um, like a, what do you call it? A, a sun storm when the rain is pouring and the sun is shining at the same time. This is a Southern saying, by the way, we're both in the South. 
it's said that when that's happening, the devil is beating his wife. <laughs> the devil is beating his wife. Before, Have you heard that? Good. Yeah. Every, every time I bring that up, they're like, I've never heard that before. But that is what you would call a dichotomous situation in a way. You've got the son, the angel, the wife is the angel, the, the, the devil is beating her, uh, the, that, that heightened evil. But when it's over, you will typically see a rainbow. Yes. And I don't think that's just a metaphor. To your point, I think that there is something quite uh, just fascinating and miraculous about looking at how we, like you said, it, it's almost like there's a reciprocity with what's going on with the planet. Not only that, we're being affected by that, but we're also af affecting the planet, ergo opening these energy windows. Does that make sense? Is that, am I on the right track with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think sometimes, you know, we can, we can put this in, in simpler terms, like what you just said. The truth is the darkness that we're now seeing openly, the invertedness of everything, it's been there for a long time. Absolutely. We just didn't see it. It's much like when they go in and they shoot a movie, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, everything is already finished. It's done. It used to be on tape. Now it's in the digital space. It just saved to a hard drive. The whole movie, right? And it's already done. It's already there. But eventually millions and millions and millions of people are going to see it. And that's what's going to make it Amazing. real. That's what's going to make it visible to the world. But it's already been there. It's already been done. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing it play out. And it's 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 now becoming so visible that even the uh, you know, even the people that have no inclination to look for it, they see it. I mean, they might not admit it, they might not talk mm -hmm. about it, mm -hmm. but they see it, they feel it, they know it, it's in their it's in their bones, it's in their hearts. And um, and again, to me, it's something to celebrate. I know we we have a you know, we have a way to go. We we're not there yet, but but it's something to celebrate. The fluctuation of energy windows, however. Where are we today, you think? Like today. We're recording this on January 17th, 2023. Oh, another tipping point. Another tipping point, I think. Um, if you look at the situation around the world, um, what the topics are um, every day now. I mean, in, in the EU, for example, they're, they're struggling with a huge scandal that was connected okay. to the last three years and corruption and whatnot. And here in the United States, we're just seeing, you know, uh, the the resident Biden. Sorry, I, I can't put I can't put make myself to put the P in front That's of that fine. word. No problem. But um, uh, we're seeing huge revelations here and things coming out. I, so again, I, I think because our lifetimes are currently 70, 80, 90, maybe 100 years, right? Fairly short. I think we tend to compress things and we think, oh, it's got to be done by then. Right. We, you know, it's got to be done in the next year. I don't think that's how it works. I think we are uh, we're, we're probably in, in a decade that's going to have similar energy over the next years and it's going to get more intense. But they're going to be huge, um, let's say, like winning periods where it's going to feel like, oh, this is a positive energy window now. We can make mm -hmm. positive change. And right now, I think we're building up such a positive energy window. I don't think it's quite here yet, but we're building it up. And I would just encourage people to look past the shock, past the panic or past the headlines and see the bigger picture. It's bird's eye view, you know, and then you can overcome the fear and you, you realize we are 
just like in our own personal lives, we don't change overnight. We change over a right. period of time, right? Uh, it takes at least 90 days to, to take up a new habit, to teach your body that. And collectively, in, in the big scheme of things, it's nothing. It's, it's like the, you know, the blink of an eye. So I think we're building a new energy window that's going to have a positive time period. And then we're going to go through another elevated mm. transformation. We're not there yet. If not there is fully. No. Well, I see, I've got this, uh, Jean, this image in front of me of a moving, something that's waxing and waning. It's flowing. Energy cannot be stagnant. It's always going to be in motion. And uh, yeah, I, or even a heartbeat. I, I, I'm getting these images of just, there's another word I want to use and I can't, or a term that I can't think of, but okay. <clears throat> Can the individual perturb the field to get an energy window to open for themselves as the individual? Oh, 100%. I mean, that's, uh, that's for those who have um, been, you know, in any way, shape or form studying spiritual principles and have been learning more about themselves and how they function. That's nothing new. It's like I said in the beginning, when you, when you have an intuition that's, you know, something is in your heart and it's been in your heart for, for a time, a wish, a desire, a dream, a purpose, something you want to do, feel, experience, accomplish. And when that's in your heart for a period of time, eventually, hopefully, you're going to focus on that. Eventually, mm -hmm. you're going to explore it. You're going to learn more about it. You're going to research it. You're going to envision what it would feel like to actually already live it, experience it. Uh, you're going to maybe script, you know, you're going to talk about it. You're going to uh, daydream about it. You're going to do all these things, perhaps meditate on it, create a plan. You're going to put a lot of focus on it because it's so intensely in your heart. And that expands the energy window. And eventually a person is going to come into your life and they just randomly start talking about it mm -hmm. or an opportunity will present itself. Um, you know, these things then they once they begin to happen, they they tend to happen exponentially, and we just have to pay attention. Absolutely. What I will say, where people struggle with that, is so often it seems so illogical to them how that happens. Mm -hmm. You know, they 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 get scared or fearful because when these energy windows open, it usually means you have to make a leap of faith. You have mm -hmm. to jump, not knowing exactly what the outcome will be. You have to trust that energy, that wave that you're riding. And more and more people are doing that. And, and when they do it, when they jump, that's usually when, when this exponential expansion begins to happen. And it doesn't mean, again, that it's all easy every day. But you are then in a different state where you don't perceive things as fearful. You can deal with obstacles. You can see the value in them. You can actually see what you, what you can take from them and learn. And so people with focused attention positive focused attention and awareness, they can totally open up energy windows and they're doing it every day, whether they know it or not. We are living at a time of great challenge and incredible opportunity. A time when taking life into our own hands, charting our own course and finding our own answers is more accessible than ever before. During this time, you may be asking yourself, what am I called to do? What if I could discover not only my own inner healing power, but help others all over this planet discover theirs? We all have the ability to heal ourselves, but it takes a special approach, a unique approach. 
Quantum healing hypnosis technique, also known as QHHT, a method developed by pioneering hypnotherapist and past life regression expert Dolores Cannon, is the approach that thousands have used and taught to access the deeper aspect of the self for healing at the core level. We all have the ability to tap into the higher self, the oversoul, the higher consciousness, and we have the means to help others to do the same. QHHT is designed to help the individual access the subconscious, the storehouse of all information through visualization at the deepest level imaginable, a process that Dolores Cannon discovered and refined during her decades of working with individuals from around the globe. Training with QHHT will provide the guidance and give you the tools to help others tap that incredible force within. Now you can access this exclusive training online, bringing the tools needed right to you so you can assist others in finding their own answers and achieve total healing. This is powerful and needed now more than ever. Be a part of the pioneering work and legacy of Dolores Cannon by learning QHHT. Start today by clicking on the link in the description of this show to get started. And when you do, don't forget to mention Higher Journeys to get a 10% course discount when you sign up. It's time we all take back control of our lives and chart the course for success at every level. It's time to discover the power of quantum healing hypnosis technique by helping others to help themselves. And by doing this, we are helping to heal the world. I see an affirmation being born. I love to do affirmations. You want to hear a secret, Jean? It's not a secret. I think I've talked about it. I do my affirmations in the shower. Reason being is because I really believe, well, there's been a lot of research done on the efficacy of uh, being able to structure water, water having memory, water being a carrier wave. And so it's occurred to me to start whatever affirmation, which we're going to come up with one for this, because I know there are people that want to get that energy window open to, to recite it in the shower while the water is falling on you. I do. I will do affirmations you know, uh, with what we're talking about right now, just as part of that package or that in, uh, intention package of what we want to uh, to use with in, in opening that energy window, I rhyme the words. There's something powerful about rhyming. So anyway, we need to come up with an affirmation there. Let's think about that, guys. See if we can come up with one. But so let me can I jump on that water yeah. really real quick? Okay, because I'll let you in on a secret too. Okay, so. And this, I used to, I used to do this a lot and, you know, every now and then when I think about it, I still do it. I'll take at night a glass of water. And by the way, this is hydrogen infused water, just for those who know what that means. It's wonderful. Um, and you can either use technology or you just use a piece of paper and you write your most cherished, treasured, important information on a piece of paper and you set the water on it overnight and let that energy from that affirmation infused to water and then next morning you drink that glass of water because you've just you know you've successfully infused the water with that information what you can also do is you can record with your own voice affirmations and then just set headphones on on a water glass and let it simmer overnight in those affirmations let them play and uh, i've done that and tried it and it's work it's work like a charm it's beautiful what we can do and Yes, water is the most powerful transmitter of information. I I knew why I wanted to have this guy on. I knew it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we could talk about water for the rest of the hour. I've always been fascinated with H2O. Don't know. Even even before I understood the mechanics of it and the research, of course, the 
phenomenal, uh, though controversial work of Masito Emoto, I think, you know, the writing is on the wall as to how powerful water is. And, uh, and so in understanding how powerful water is and knowing that our entire planet is made up primarily of water, our body is made up primarily of water. Is it any wonder why we're, uh, you know, we can be influenced by so many things because we are water. So that's a great tip. Thank you for that. I did a little digressing a little bit. We'll talk about water for a minute because it's connected. It's all connected. Uh, Jean, I did a a little experiment years ago, very crude experiment because I'm a dowser. I love to do pendulum dowsing. been practicing it for years. And I had interviewed David Sarita, who I have in it. He was one of my first interviews, I want to say back in 2012. And we were talking about the power of the sun and the sound of the sun. Many of us know that most, if not all planets, emit a sound. Some can be a bit arduous and tumultuous. Some some are pleasant. But he had a recording of the sound of the sun. Really quick story. I got a hold of that recording. I believe it's a NASA recording. And what I decided to do is to see if the sound of the sun could be uh, infused in the water and if it would if it could be structured literally. And what I would do is play, I had a like old fashioned CD. I would play the CD, blast the speakers, put it, well, let me back up, take a glass of water, put a pendulum over it and note its movement. Let's say it's oscillating. Mm-hmm. And then I would put the glass of water in front of the speaker, blast the sound of the sun, maybe three minutes or so, take the pendulum and note its movement. And it was always consistently different in the same way. So let's say, let's just say the first, before it was in the yes motion, after the sun, no, or the other way around, it was Mm -hmm. always consistently changed. And I was convinced something's going on here. Okay. So there's another little tip if you want to play with that. (laughs) Very interesting. Never thought of that, but that sounds, sounds intriguing. It's really, it's a thought experiment, I suppose, in a way. It's an experiment. And I think it just, if anything, proves to you that we can do things with water. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. What about when, for whatever reason, if the energy window is closed, these are times when no matter how hard you try, no matter how passionate you are, things just don't go right. I think it's fair to talk about that a little bit. What's going on there? And how do we recognize them? Well, we we know those times and people would probably perceive those times to be more uh, uh, oftentimes present than the other one. I think that has been our energy on earth uh, because of these darker times that we've gone through. But I would say that, for example, if you look at winter as the analogy, as the season where everything um, slows down and, you know, nature really comes to a halt, if you will. And these periods where big changes do not happen and don't lend themselves to that can be used for introspection. You know, it's times where we slow down, where we go within more, or we meditate or pray, where we learn, where we regroup, refocus. Um, so these, these times are bound to happen. You can't just have constant uh, go, go transformation energy windows. You have to have these downtimes as well. And in because of our concept of, because of how society is run and because of this, you know, this myth that runs everything of constant economic growth, that's basically what all, everything's built on. Everything has to constantly grow and expand. 
I think we don't cherish these downtimes. And yes, we can look at it in a way where nothing works out, or we can look at it in a way where we get to um, reevaluate, where we get to see, am I still on this path? Is this still my passion? Is this still right for me? Do I need to make changes? Is it time to go within and ask myself new questions? So I think these downtimes can be used just as positively and just as um, beautifully if we choose to you know, have a different perspective on those times. That's great. Just like the fact that we're in at the tail end, thankfully, of this retrograde period. And I've always, rather than uh, learning about what you shouldn't do, historically speaking, during a retrograde, what should you do? And the first thing that comes to mind is reflection, remember, realign, everything re. So there's always a way we can use the periods, whether the window is open, partially open, closed, to uh, to realign ourselves to uh, whether we're, you know, if the window is open, go for it. If the window we feel, and I think it's a feeling sense. I, I'll be honest with you right now, guys, it's been a little, been a little rocky for me in the last uh, couple of weeks, but I've learned you cannot, it's like swimming in a riptide. You know, it's going to happen, right? If you go against the uh, tide. There is no forcing things. No. You know, look Absolutely. at nature. Nature never forces anything. And in the, in the Tao, there's, there's a beautiful, a beautiful line. The universe does nothing and leaves nothing undone. And I love that so much because mm. it, it speaks to, you know, sometimes we just have to let it simmer and let it do its thing. There's nothing we can do. And when we try to force it, it only, everything gets worse. Nothing works with force. And that's like, you know, like clockwork, you can prove that nothing works with force. So um, when those times come, I think we just have to remember that. We just have to, you know, turn, flip that switch. Say, okay, let's cool down here. Let's calm down. Yeah. Let's watch the water, watch the fire, chill out a little bit. Yeah. It can be hard when people are in crisis because it seems like those that are going through rocky times, it can be really intense. And it seems as if something's calling you to take action. You know, we, we can do kind of a knee, knee jerk reaction, which is not good. So that's what I've been saying to myself. Ah, it's, it's it's something that I think I'll get over. It, it'll be okay. But uh, having this conversation is timely for sure. So I do appreciate that. John, let's talk about discernment. Discernment and free will. Something that, uh, well, certainly discernment, you could argue, has been in somewhat short supply, I would say, in the main. We've lost the art of discernment. I'm old enough to remember when it was taught. And you followed it. Um, it's so necessary right now. What are your thoughts on getting it back? Has it come back? And how important will it be to continue to swim through this tide? I think it's definitely at least the concept of discernment is making a comeback. And I, you know, I remember when our kids were in school, I was always amazed at how um how this is all set up. You have a subject when they do debates and when they learn about that. And basically the teacher chooses a subject and then the teacher determines two sides to that subject. And then the teacher picks which side a student has to argue for. That's the, that's the antidote to the sermon. It doesn't allow you to look at information. It doesn't allow you to look at it, uh, you know, from more than two perspectives. And it's certainly because you're already 
you know, you're already structured as to what you need to argue for. You don't get to go through the process. And discernment for me really begins with intuition more than anything else. That's that's our greatest tool in how we evaluate and comprehend information. Yes, we use our brains. Yes, we have a wonderful mind that can do like amazing things and, and absolutely astonishing. We're only beginning to tap into what it can do. But if we're solely mind focused, we're just using mechanisms. We're just using, you know, pre uh, program mechanisms, but intuition, it, ex it, it, it definitely is more than what our senses can perceive. It's way more than that. It's a connection to spirit. So that's for me, if we talk about the sermon, we got to talk about uh, reconnecting. We got to talk about rebalancing because only from a place of balance, do you, you have the ability to discern, but our, our societal structure is basically keeping us as much as possible in fight or flight in the reptilian brain. No creativity, no spiritual connection, simply a, a fight or flight reaction to what's being presented to us. That's what the, what the matrix system does constantly. That's mm -hmm. all it knows to do, by the way. Right. People are stepping out of it. And that's what I see so beautifully. They're, they're literally just taking a breather, stepping out of it, they're walking with things again. And when you walk with something, like when you have an idea or have a new piece of information or a decision to make, and you walk with it, you ponder, right? Pondering is a good thing. It isn't the only thing you should do, but it's it's giving you time and space to allow for this beautiful tool connected with this beautiful tool to actually give you a clearer picture on things. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we haven't learned that. We don't learn this anymore. We have to actually do it ourselves. It's not in our educational systems. Mostly our families, our parents have forgotten about it too. They too have been programmed. And so we don't learn how to think. We don't learn how to discern and we don't learn how to research either, but it is making a comeback and people are now um, receiving their education less and less from the mainstream field and more and more from other other beings they trust or other beings that are co coming up, you know, parallel to the educational system. So yes, that is making a comeback. It's actually why people are making so vastly different decisions. In the past three years, you've seen mass migrations of people. I mean, yes. physically, you're, you're one I, example. <laughs> I'm one example. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You're one example. But people are also mass migrating in their interests, in their spare time, in their uh, professions, they've they've stepped out of the rut and said no more, mm -hmm. no more. I didn't even know why I was in there. I never thought about it. I was just part of a program, and that to me is discernment. And now they're beginning to explore what else there could be. And I, I think we see this in the explosion of uh, new thoughts that are coming out, new ideas, new ways of living, new ways of communicating, new ways of uh, community. And, and that to me is a beautiful sign. So I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said we are, we're stepping into this again, we're learning discernment again. And what mm -hmm. that means. I absolutely agree with you. I want to touch on the intuition connection and we've got to touch on what happened three years ago and how there seemed to be a mass exodus of discernment among the collective and paradoxically, Jean, maybe we needed to go, I keep using this word tumult, we needed to go through this tumult to be reminded of how important discernment will be vis-a-vis -vis intuition to get on the other side of it. 
intuition first and foremost, if you were to ask me, and we're not going to get into the weeds, if you know what I mean, because the venue doesn't support it, um, about decisions I may have made a few years ago, I wouldn't say it's because of what I read. Wouldn't say it's because of what I saw or what someone told me. It's because of what I felt. And I've learned to trust that like clockwork. There are times that I don't listen. I actually did a little segment once on how to learn your intuition by ignoring it. You'll learn your lesson because it comes through in a certain way. It is inextricably linked. You're right. Intuition and discernment. It's not a left brain thing. It's a balanced thing. It's the right brain and the left brain coming together, working together and saying, okay, now we have all the facts and we here and here. I love it. So that was one point. What was the other thing on discernment? Really, really huge. Oh, we'll let it go. Let's talk about free. Well, we want to talk about free will. Free will, something that a man whose name ends in, begins with an H says, that's over. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> go ahead. Harari. <laughs> okay. Harari. Yeah. Free will. Will we ever lose it? Can it be lost, do you think? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do think. I do think. You it do. Can. Yeah, I do think it can be lost. I think uh, it takes free will to lose it. You have to make a decision. And and I think that mm. one, that's one thing I think a lot of people miss because, again, because of how things are structured. It's brilliant from a evil standpoint. It's brilliant. You take you take knowledge, wisdom and, you know, the disciplines that we today perceive as separate, you know, the sciences, even science is separated into so many subcategories. And one subcategory doesn't really know much about the other, although they're intrinsically linked. And um, I think what has happened is that people make free will decisions without realizing it. Mm-hmm. There's there seems to be a principle with this, and I'm I, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm, I'm trying to make a, a whole journey to a destination here. There seems to be a principle at play that if you want your fellow humans to do something, if you want to even manipulate them into something, you have to show them what that something is. You have to give them the information as to what you're actually doing. Uh, That seems to be a principle at work, even for nefarious forces. But they don't put it out in on the cover of Time magazine or in the newspapers or on TV. They put it out as movies. They put it out as as science fiction. They put it out as comics. Doesn't matter, but they put it out there. And right now, the biggest uh, the biggest threat to free will, I believe, is um, this transhumanist trend, this AI agenda, where People are agreeing more and more to AI and algorithms doing their thinking and feeling for them, but they're not realizing it. See, they're, it's unconscious, but it's still a choice. I mean, just because we're not aware of something doesn't mean we're not responsible for that choice. Ultimately, we need to be adults and grow up and really figure things out, right? But yes, we can lose free will when we choose to give it up to another entity. Mm-hmm. And it, in the past, it used to be to some king or dictator or some other human being that people gave, you know, the authority over to. And now it's now it's AI and algorithms. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, this agenda, if people allow it to go through, aims to completely subdue what makes us human and change it, alter it into 
eventually no more biology. Yeah. And yes, that's to me where exactly the, the, the point mm -hmm. that we're at is, are we going to use our free will to, to jump on a timeline that's organic, that's um, divinely inspired, that's human, or are we going to use our free will to lose our free will in a AI-centric transhumanist dystopian mm -hmm. timeline? It's a, it's a brilliant question that people I don't think ask themselves. And this is piece of, this is a big piece of it. These things are a big piece of giving your free will over to an entity that is so programmed against you. It's, mm -hmm. it's not even funny. It is a conundrum. It's like you're reading off of my playbook here, my little cheat sheet over here, because the next thing I wanted to talk about was our dance with technology. It's a conundrum. We could not be having this conversation without it. Social media, all of these things that uh, have become integral parts of our life. But I have drawn a proverbial line in the sand. I try to. And yet it's, it, it is a conundrum, Jean, particularly for us content creators. And, you know, I still like to talk to people and I like to be with people in person. Yes. I could see something rather uh, dastardly coming down the pike many years ago before I was even really kind of looking into the matrix, if you will, and the empire behind the matrix and intentions felt intuitively something was off kilter with how drunk people were becoming on the use of technology years ago. And I had no context for it. And yet, paradoxically, I love my gadgets, but I know when to put them away. I've made that decision. Well, we could go down a rabbit hole there. My husband and I talk about this a lot because uh, God bless all of his friends, but they have basically allowed, you know, technology to take over friendships. They, they, the, their uh, phones and, and text threads are the surrogate or the proxy. Mm -hmm. And it's sad. And my husband, bless his heart, even though he uses it, he's like, listen, guys, if you want to talk to me, you know how to do it. You pick up the phone. I'm not having a conversation on a text thread. These are adults. So we started this conversation with a lot of hope, but we've got, this is like a big paradox because, you know, what's up with that? I mean, but that's another going? energy window, Alexis, that we have opened. We've opened the energy window from using technology kind of by default, just because it appears on the scene and it makes sense. And, you know, uh, you know, if, if you want to start with the big leaps in business, for example, the fax machine or telex before that telex fax machine. And then email. I mean, those who jumped on email, right? I mean, they had such an advantage. I mean, and, and then, you know, cell phones. My dad, for example, is a businessman. He was an early adopter. I mean, he he had the, the freaking suitcase with the cell phone in it. And like, but he was so far ahead of the curve that, you know, his business exploded because he was so much faster. There were, but there were no, I, you know, there was no thought of negative consequences. There was no time for that. Everything was booming. Mm -hmm. Everyone was with new opportunity, new opportunity, amazing. Now we've opened an energy window to exploring what it does to us. What does it do to our brain, to our chemistry, to our ability to, you know, I, I you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be not yelling, but I'll be telling my kids to put the phone down when they do simple cal calculations. I go, you can add that on a piece of paper or in your head That's because right. if you stop doing it, you will lose that ability. And so um, I, th I think we opened that energy window by talking about it. 
and more and more people hopefully will start talking about and realizing that they're we're still not at the point of no return mm-hmm. for some people it might have already happened but we're approaching this point of no return where you will make a choice that won't be reversible anymore yeah. where technology will be within you and and merged so i you know um and i do i do want to say something i do think we're with this technology we're actually just mimicking abilities that we already have and and used to have i don't think we can come up with anything in terms of technology that we couldn't actually do without it i just don't think we can do that so i think when we use all this this is something that we used to do without technology we used to communicate distance wouldn't matter and with cl- people you're very close with you can still do it you can still read their mind you can still feel their energy yeah. so i think uh if we realize this and and me too we've drawn lines in the sand we know where we're not going to go mm-hmm. doesn't matter what happened you know i'm not never going to go into a metaverse i'm never going to go into these realms um but i do think we're opening that energy window as well you mentioned this idea of uh, the, the things that we can do without the aid of technology. I believe a few weeks ago on you know, your show with uh, your co-host, your new co-host, Frank <laughs> Frank Jacob, right? Yeah. He's amazing, you guys. I, I'm sure a lot of people that are watching have seen have seen Inspired. And we, we do want to, in the few minutes that we have left before we go next door to the Patreon after show, want to talk about uh, Project Looking Glass. But you did bring that up in terms of what I have called quite a few years ago, inner Wi-Fi, inner technology, you know, and, and they know it too, that the, they mm-hmm. and all the experiments that have been done um, over the years, classified above top secret, remote viewing, the work of Russell Targ and Hal Putoff uh, with the Stanford uh, Research Institute. They know this and they also know that we have the capability of doing it, but perhaps they're trying to usurp are recognizing that we have the ability by in, inserting that uh, that proxy of, of of AI to do it. That's a you know maybe 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 you'll come back one day and we could just talk about that because that's a the whole idea. I just spoke about transhumanism. Actually, I've had a few shows where I've talked about that. I think it's something we we need to be discussing and realizing how close we are to it now, not tomorrow. Oh yeah, now now yeah, most definitely yeah. It's a bit of an urgent situation. Well, listen, in our remaining minutes, I'm looking at this time. I can't, this, this has got to be one of the most flowy conversations I've had. I love all my guests, but this has just been great. One thing after another, John, you're, you're great. And such a, such a wealth of knowledge. Let's transition for a few minutes into this idea of Stargates and Project Looking Glass. Again, I'm going to mention Frank, Frank Jacob, who has just brought a, a, cornucopia of knowledge to the table it inspired i know that you've learned a lot you've participated a lot in these conversations a lot of it is very complex but in a nutshell project looking glass i would describe it as um a project in which or a program in which a certain group will not only look at uh, a, a variety of timelines but ultimately trying to decide whether they can be manipulated it's more complex than that, but I would love for you in a few minutes to talk a little bit about that and really how that all folds in with what we've been talking about uh, previous. Project Looking Glass, Stargates, multiple timelines, convergence of timelines, the awakening. 
Well, it's a, it's, it's a difficult <laughs> yeah, to put in a few minutes, but um, you already, I mean, you, you said it up perfectly. You teed it up perfectly. Basically, I think we need to understand there are two distinct realities when it comes to government and government communication and public relations, if you will. One is what we hear from our government representatives in the media, what they talk about, what they make fun of and ridicule in public, like anything that's metaphysical, anything that goes beyond the 3D reality in our senses, they ridicule, right? Mm -hmm. But the other reality is that all governments, at least all semi-powerful governments, certainly United States, Canada, Russia, China, and many others, have a lot of dedicated programs to discovering all our abilities, first of all, like you mentioned, psychic abilities, uh, remote viewing and all these things. And they've dedicated decades and billions of research money into this. Now, what are their reasons? Um, yes, they use it for their own purposes. They use it militarily. They use it strategically, all of that. But I think you touched on something important. Uh, they don't want the public to realize this. There are freedom of information requests that have pulled out a lot of these uh, secret operations from the 60s and 70s CIA. You can read up on that. It's all public in a public space now, but they don't really want this to be public knowledge. So what they're doing is they're putting out anything that has to do with technology, with artificial technology to um, basically distract us from the fact that this that we are the technology, that we are basically the foundation technology. So I think they've used both. They've used humans for remote viewing. And, uh, you know, you can learn remote viewing. You can actually Absolutely. learn to do that. And, and then they have developed or received, it's, you know, I think in some term, in some ways it's received technology uh, that allows them to do it artificially. And, and with these technologies, it appears they have uh, been able, like you say, to see potentials and then learn how to manipulate, you know, public interactions, policies, uh, wars, e economies, societies, manipulate so their preferred timeline would play out. And it appears to be that way, that this changed in the past 10 years to where there was um, there was only one timeline that began to emerge that appeared as the dominant timeline that would play out inevitably, and that is the timeline of what we call the awakening mm -hmm. of mass amounts of people waking up to greater truths, greater realizations, and basically transcending our limited 3D reality in our perceptions. Now, we, as we talked about, I think we can currently see two parallel timelines we don't see this smooth one timeline yet, um, but that's at least what came out of, of these circles, semi-secret circles. Uh, but I think more importantly, it, it, there's a realization that these, uh, these programs are happening and that there are many humans around the world and many governments that have, I mean, they, you know, any child in China, for example, or Russia or Ukraine, children that are known to have psychic abilities, the government mm -hmm. steps in. The government develops that and, and will take a closer look at those children and use them for their uh, own purposes. So I think all these things are becoming more and more believable for people because they are real. But to me, it all points to the same thing. 
whether we see two timelines, one timeline, three timelines or potentials, the question remains, what do you want? What is it that you actually, what is it that you desire for your future, for, for your children, grandchildren, for the generations to come? What do we want? If anything, it allows us to become clearer on what we want to actually see play out. And I think that's where the, the value of this discussion that Frank and I have had, and many other people have had, by the way, not just the two of us, but the value of this discussion is that it brought out this distinct, even vocabulary around it, where people now have a visual, okay, there are two things playing out here. One is going AI transhumanism, that's clear. I mean, that's the writing's on the wall. The other one is basically unlimited human potential. Mm -hmm. If we can if we can jump on it. And that to me is the value of this discussion. That's why Frank and I keep talking about it because the more we talk about it, the clearer it seems to become. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think you've raised a few eyebrows in a good way. There are a lot of people that just, well, I mean, we're, this is a metaphysical conversation where we're talking about this idea of multiple timelines and our own potential within this or outside of this matrix. But you, because of the conversations that you've had. And I've shouted you out quite a few times on my show <clears throat> with other Thank guests you. that I've had. Oh, absolutely. I, I'm, I just, I'm a number one fan. I love it. So uh, you're, you're bringing great value uh, and a great service to, uh, to the larger audience. And some of the things that we talk about guys are, they're mind bending for me. Some of these concepts are really, really, some of them uh, hard to get your head around. And yet I think they are quite ubiquitous in our, in the history and um, these groups, governments, world governments working on these very things that they will have also invested tons of money to make sure the, the, the giggle factor is also ubiquitous, knowing full well that this is, in many cases, their religion. <laughs> yes, so, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've come to about the end of the main show. We didn't get a chance to talk about Mandela effects, but we're still going to, we're going to take it over <laughs> to Patreon. I think it's all connected, John. I would, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about what the heck Mandela effects are. Now you all know if you've been tuned into higher journeys that we have had quite a few conversations on it with uh, my guest, Cynthia Sue Larson, who is uh, considered the quantum optimist. She wrote reality shifters and she's actually on the board of the International Mandela Effect Conference. Did you know that there was such a thing? No, I, I over you know over the years I've always seen these things pop up, but I've, I didn't know there was a conference. Yes, yeah. So it's become a bigger thing, like these conversations that you're having with Frank about uh, uh, Project Looking Glass and way beyond. These things, the Mandela Effect is becoming a, a much larger and more intelligent discussion, not a silly one. So that's what we're going to talk about, guys, next door. Please come over and join us on Patreon. And guess what? It helps to support Higher Journey. So it's a win-win-win. All right. Oh my God, John Nolan, this was a dream conversation. I hope we get to do it one day in person. I'd love that. I'd love that. And it's an honor to be on your show. I love this discussion. Like you said, it flows beautifully, very, yes. very naturally. Thank you. It's been our honor. And I hope, guys, that this will be impetus for you to continue this discussion, even if it's with yourself. There's always somebody listening because yeah. we do need to talk. That's right. Literally, there's always somebody listening. And, um, because this needs to be the, the dinner table talk now. There's no time for this other stuff. 
No time. Agreed. 100%. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go next door, pull out the chair, sit down and have a chat about Mandela effects. Jean, don't hang up. We're going there right now. Guys, thanks so much. Thank you, Jean. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Love you.